Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and before we get started, I want to remind you about our event on August 27th. It's a webinar in collaboration with the Guild on the Femtech Landscape, what's being worked on, what still needs innovating. So you can register for the event by going to our website, www.femtechfocus.org, and get your ticket there. In today's episode, I interview Anila Idnani, co-founder and president of HabitAware, a smart bracelet that helps people suffering from trichotillomania, which is a compulsive hair pulling and other body-centered repetitive behaviors, such as nail biting or skin picking. These behaviors actually affect 1 in 20 Americans, which is about 20 million people, of which 70% are women. HabitAware's smart bracelet, which is called Keen, was named Time Magazine's 2018 Best Invention and has been funded by the National Institutes of Health and National Science Foundation. On this episode, Anila and I discuss body-focused repetitive behaviors, Anila's personal journey with trigomania trichotillomania, say that three times fast, and the diverse spectrum of mental health. Anila was kind enough to offer our listeners a promo code. So if you want to try out uh, their smart bracelet Keen, you can get 15% off by using promo code FEMTECH. Hey, Anila, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's nice to have, nice to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, nice to have you, right? I wish we were in person, yeah. but all of it these uh, nice. episodes have been virtual so far. One day, one day we'll come together. Yeah. Meet in the middle between Houston and Minneapolis. Maybe. <laughs> I actually have uh, interns I've been working with since February and I still haven't met them in person and they're in Houston and we have yet to meet in person, but I feel like I know them so well. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of technology today. It's it's you don't have to meet in person to yeah. really get to know someone. No, no, get the job yeah. done. You know, it's yeah. ve- it's kind of counterintuitive though, based on my last company, the DNA based dating app, because it was all about pheromones. So I was like <laughs> really big on like you got to do it in person. It's about the hormones and the biology. And now I'm like, well, like maybe not. Some still some sign <laughs> like <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> We need like yeah. a virtual pheromone transfer, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That could be an interesting <laughs> sensor to create. I might get my lead hardware engineer and co-founder on it. <laughs> well, Anila, you are co-founder and president of Habit Aware. And I am really excited yeah. because when we first heard about your company, we weren't sure if it was femtech. And, you know, we define femtech as anything that affects women um, either solely differently or you know um disproportionately and so apparently some of the uh, issues you are addressing are disproportionately affecting women and so i'm really excited to hear about that um but first our listeners love to 
learn about our guest. So why don't you tell us about where you're from and, you know, where you grew up and, you know, what did you study and how did you end up with Habit Aware? Yeah. Thank you, Ian, for having me. Um, So I'm originally from New York. I grew up in Long Island, New York and studied in upstate New York and I studied accounting. Um, I just, looking back, what I didn't realize growing up was that I had social anxiety. And so I think I found comfort in accounting because balancing the T accounts Mm. just, it just felt right. (laughs) Um, So I actually went into public accounting through college and like just right out of college. Um, And that's kind of what I did for a little while. But as I was working in public accounting, I was getting kind of frustrated with the process. It was around the time of Enron and some of these, um, you know, accounting practices were were being called into question. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel so fulfilled in it anymore. So I took some time off and looked back on my childhood and recognized what I, what really brought me joy was being creative. So I went back to school for advertising to study creative strategy, uh, marketing design, copywriting, and went into the advertising world after that for about Whoa. eight years. At least it still started with an A, accounting, advertising, <laughs> agriculture. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty big jump, but I also kind of, kind of liked both because I realized I had both like the analytical brain mm. and the creative brain, and it really helped me hone in on both account management and uh, project and digital production at in the advertising world. And then being around a lot of like tech technologists and creatives in kind of the tech space and working on projects. I just got more and more interested in technology and Habitware honestly happened by accident. (laughs) Um, Just kind of the way that that we got started. It's a good accident to have happened. You're working on important stuff. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So it was a happy accident. Um, At the time I was like, Oh God, what is going on? But you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. And we're based now in Minneapolis, and I honestly believe this city chose us to be here in yeah. a sense. And to it's got such a vibrant tech and startup community that you know I, I often joke with my husband that Habitware wouldn't have happened if we were still in New York because mm. I would be working twenty hours straight in advertising and him in his finance job. And yeah, it just the the conditions were not going to be right for it. So we moved here. We were working in those fields. And then this kind of just happened and we ran with it. So tell us what Habit Aware is and when did you start it? Yeah. So we got started. Well, I'll tell you a story. (laughs) I grew up, I grew up in the mid eighties, nineties. And around the time my father fell sick with cancer, I started pulling out my hair. And I didn't know it at the time that it was a mental health condition. So I hid it from friends and family for the past 20 plus years. And a few years ago, it was around 2014, I had just given birth to my first son. And these conditions are kind of tied to your hormones and your cycle. And so I was pulling a whole lot more than normal. It was also uh, during maternity leave. And so, you know, I just had a lot of time on my hands. So that boredom is kind of another trigger for these behaviors, at least for me. Yeah. And 
I was getting ready one morning. I went into the bathroom to go get my black eye pencil. So I, I usually pull from my eyebrows and my eyelashes to kind of cover it up before even my husband could see me because wow. I had gotten so good at hiding it from everyone. And there he was just standing there and he looked at me and he squinted and he said, where are your eyebrows? And I literally was caught like a deer in headlights from this, the secret that I had been harboring for oh my gosh, 20 yeah. years. Yeah. And in that moment, I told him that I have this condition called trichotillomania, which is the compulsive behavior of pulling out hair as a, as a soothing mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, I didn't know what it was in my twenties. I went and searched Yahoo and said, why am I pulling out my hair? And I finally found this terminology, but there wasn't a lot of information. There wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, resources to really figure out how to deal with it. So yeah, I just kept it was just like a definition, kind of right? It was just like a definition, yeah. no community groups or support. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then what happened? So then from that, he starts doing research, starts trying to better understand the condition. And for him, it really wasn't, you know, oh, I need to go online and try to find a solution and fix my wife. It was mm -hmm. really more, he wanted to understand why I hid it from him. Mm. Um, and so from that, he realized just that the, the fear of judgment and the shame that I was harboring. Yeah. And then one day we're just sitting on the couch and I'm pulling as we're watching TV and he just gently grabbed my hand. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, you cannot tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, <But>. hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I was just like, if I knew this was happening, because it's a very trance, like a very subconscious mm. behavior. If I knew it was happening, then maybe I could do something about it. And so we, we started to try to, to, to figure out if that hypothesis was true. And it just became this little fun nights and weekends kind of thing. We, we went to Michael's arts and crafts store before we started doing anything technical, just to kind of test this hypothesis uh -huh. of if I know where my hands are, can it stop me? Can it help me uh, take control of the behavior? Yeah. And so the very first prototype was literally, um, bells like christmas bells on the bracelet <laughs> yeah and when i my hand went up it would jingle and kind of notify me oh. and so that was like enough to say okay this is interesting let's now take it to the next step for a technical prototype mm -hmm. and so being in minneapolis we were kind of in the tech community i started asking around to friends and slowly got connected to our two other technical co-founders Wow. And so um, you guys, it looks like a Fitbit is from your website. So it looks like a Fitbit. And so it will, how does the fit, how does your device know if your, your hand is touching, you know, brushing your teeth versus pulling your eyebrow hair, you know, how does it know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's exactly right. We tried to make it look like an activity tracker because we wanted it to be discreet. Uh -huh. We call our bracelet, the habit wear keen because it brings mm. you keen awareness. Mm. And the way it works is you train it for that, that scanning motion, that micro motion that you do, whether it's biting your nails or searching for a skin imperfection or pulling your eyebrow hair or like the hair from your head or maybe picking the back of your skin. 
and you train it in a 30 second process, just continually doing that same motion over and over. And then it's creating a calculation of that gesture. And then when it senses a match to that gesture, it'll send a vibration. And that vibration is just that little bit that you need to create awareness and to shift it from the subconscious to the conscious mind so that now you can change the conversation in your head of, oh, I need to get that pimple to, hey, this is not what I want to be doing right now. Let me pause and reflect on what's really happening on the triggers, on the urges, on the feelings, the thoughts that I'm having right now that are, um, you know, triggering this behavior. And let me deal with that by replacing it with a healthier, soothing strategy that really um, combats that trigger. Yeah. How many of these keen devices have you sold? So we've been in market. So we started in about 2004. 14, we did a hardware accelerator program in 2016 and then been in market since 2017. And we've sold like tens of thousands over the last two, three years of being in business. It's been, we've had a, you know, I've been in the the community for a really long time. We had a phenomenal response. Um, And it's been just such a joy and so fulfilling to be able to serve an underserved market that I am a part of. So it's been really, really awesome. Oh my gosh, this is, I have so many questions. I'm so moved. Thank you so much for, you know, being open about your struggles and, you know, what you've experienced. And thank you so much for taking the leap of creating technology because you were not the only one who's struggling with this, right? And, you know, you you said yours was trichotillomania. 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 That's the compulsive hair pulling disorder. Um, Skin picking is called dermatillomania and nail biting is called anechophasia. And they're all part of an umbrella category of mental health conditions called body focused repetitive behaviors. BFRBs. Wow. And how pervasive, like what's the occurrence rate of these types of illnesses or disorders? Yeah, so it's probably around 2 to 5% of the U.S. population. These disorders, they're still kind of new, and mm-hmm. I'm putting that in quotes because it's, they're not, it's not that they're new. It's just that <laughs> people are finally talking about them. I think yeah. there's a lot of shame around these. There's a lot of judgment. Mm-hmm. But people are finally kind of coming out a little bit. Like, I believe secrets make you sick, yeah. and I harbored it for 20 years, and it just perpetuated the cycle. Yes. But in sharing there is strength yeah. and in sharing and in coming out to my husband and getting support from him, we were able to kind of go on this journey and I've been able to, to really heal myself. And that's what I hope for the people in, in what we call our teen family. Um, so it's, it's estimated two to 5% in the population. It's really like one in 20 Americans. So if it's not you that's listening right wow. now, it's someone, you know, yeah, we have 1500 listeners. So yeah, I mean, damn, <laughs> there's probably, what is that? Like 25 more? One in 20, damn. No, mm-hmm. that's a lot more. I'm actually, I'm going to do so, math on record right now because this is important. 70. So if it's one in 20 and we have 1,400 listeners, 70 people listening, you know, are probably struggling with this. And they may not even know it because, like you said, yeah. it's quote unquote new. I think yeah. that also speaks to recognizing mental illness as a real thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, back in the day, they may 
And not that long ago, back in the day, they may look at the anorexic and be like, well, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just eat? Right. Or like the bulimic, why are you throwing that up? You are so weird or that's strange, you know, but it's like something bigger than them, you know, like no one chooses starvation out of, you know, because it's their best hobby. It's like a compulsion, right? Wow. Yeah, exactly. I actually wish we could go rather than saying mental health, because there's just so much negative connotation mm. it's it's brain health like this brain is all because our brain is doing things yes. that we can't control yes there's an imbalance there's a there's an imbalance you know, yeah. there's you uh-huh. know there's something else happening yes. and yeah it's, it's not something you can control and even back in when I was in my 20s I went to a psychologist and they just told me well why can't you just stop yeah and that's that's not the answer (laughs) well I didn't think about that doctor thank you (laughs) let me try yeah exactly like it's it's really not about about stopping because Mm -hmm. these behaviors really do serve a purpose they're trying it's your brain trying to self-soothe trying to Mm. balance energy due to some trigger whether it's stress boredom tiredness anger hunger So the real purpose of the bracelet is to bring you into that awareness such that you can now choose a healthier soothing strategy and give your brain what it needs in a healthier way. And the more you practice that, the more that becomes the go-to that you're retraining your brain to. And so that's the science behind it. And that's what we're super excited about because we have both NIH research grants and an NSF research, research grant to both improve the technology and kind of prove out the efficacy. Oh, wow. This, this is really impressive. This is amazing. You know, it also kind of reminds me of, um, you know, I'm, you know, a survivor of childhood trauma and I have PTSD. And, um, a few years ago, I actually had to go inpatient for a month for PTSD treatment. I had no idea there was rehab for trauma, but it exists. So if you're listening and you have PTSD and you're like, man, I wish there was rehab for trauma. It actually does exist. I went to Sierra Tucson. It was incredible. Changed my life, saved my life. But when I showed up, I had a lot of um, scratches and marks on my arms, on like my biceps. And they said, oh, are you scratching there? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why. Like maybe I have dry skin or something. And the therapist there said, you're trying to ground yourself. You are so in a trauma response that your body is literally trying to inflict some kind of constant pain on your body so that you are at least present in the moment, you know? And I was like, damn, like, and so now I know when I'm really picking or if I'm scratching, I know, I I wouldn't say that I think I, I know I have PTSD. I don't know if I qualify for, for these, but you know, I know now when I start picking that like, oh, I'm so up in my head. Even my body knows, girl, you got to come back down yeah. to earth, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. You're, it's your body and your mind trying to give you a cue that, mm-hmm. hey, over here, I need something. I need yes. some self-care right now. Like people in our teen family actually call the bracelet their self-care alarm. Oh so they gosh. say like when it's going off, it's it's that moment. I need to give myself a drink of water, some deep breaths, <gasps> yes. a stretch. Take a walk, pet a dog. Yep. 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 Exactly. Yes. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, you know, we can definitely talk about mental illness all day, every day. And it affects every gender, every age, every anything you are, but... This is the Femtech Focus podcast, and I want to be true to our brand here. So does uh, this afflict women more than men or in a different way? Yeah, so that's a great question. The 
the research is not totally there yet to, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, of we, we just kind of know that prevalence has just sort of been confirmed. <laughs> and yeah. I still think that the prevalence is even higher because to your point earlier, some mm-hmm. people don't know that they have it because they don't know yeah. that they exist. Yep. That I was like, sense. I have dry skin. They're like, no, you're in a trauma <laughs> response. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's a perfect example, yeah. right? So what I believe is, and what the research is currently showing is that it seems to start in the teenage years and it seems to affect women more than more than men. Mm. Teenage years, I think, is because of that hormonal change. Like mine started around puberty. Um, so I think there's something there. But again, I, I don't know if the research is there, you know, yeah. to, to, to confirm that. And then the reason that I think more women probably raise their hand for these conditions more so than men, which is how we know you know, it does it affect men? Does it affect women? Yeah. Um, is quite simply because of our culture and our society and how women, women's worth, women's value is tied to their beauty. And that mm. is tied to their hair, their skin and their nails. Yes. And so that cycle, like that psychology not only feeds the behaviors, that fear of judgment, but I think that's also why it's more prevalent in women or, or more women seek help because, you know, for a man to pull his beard hair, he can just shave his beard mm-hmm. and, you know, quote unquote, the problem goes away. Or he can, if he's, you know, pulls his head hair he, again, he can be bald and it's socially acceptable. Yes. So I think that social aspect really comes into play as to why it disproportionately affects women versus men. Wow. Yeah. You know, it is not uncommon, I have learned, being the host of this podcast, um, I ask many guests, well, you know, what are the statistics? What's the history of it? What's the biology of it? And so often the guests say, well, we know a little bit. It's enough to have gotten me funded. It's enough to for me to think I should do this. But actually, we know nothing. Like the research is we have we have no idea. And, you know, at first when I started this podcast, I was disappointed by that answer. I don't know if our listeners feel the same way, but, you know, now it's just like now the answer is expected. When you say, yeah, five years ago when I Googled it, all there was was a definition, but nothing else. Of course, there's not going to be research on it yet. Right. And that's what you're doing. That's what so many of our femtech founders are doing the research and innovating at the same time. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it takes people to raise their hand. It takes people mm-hmm. to to write to their senators, you know, and to 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 go to Mental Health Day on the Hill and advocate yes. so that people that do have the ability to put money and dollars mm-hmm. towards the research mm-hmm. know what to put it towards, you know. Yeah. And we're just kind of getting at that point where people with body focused repetitive behaviors are shattering that shame that they have to be able to start doing that which is really exciting and it's that's part of my personal mission and obviously our companies um but also you know there's there's a lack of diversity in a lot of industries so when people are trying to solve problems at big corporations they're looking around for problems that are in their life yeah they don't see these yeah Right. They're, they're not, they're not. So it's, and if the CEOs of these pharma companies do have trigotillomania, sorry, I have it written on the screen next to you. If they do have it, they probably aren't talking about it in the boardroom. Right. And so even if it is in that room, it's not talked about. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 
we're kind of, you know, even though, as you were just saying, it sort of sucks to hear, oh, we don't know enough, we don't know enough. <laughs> yeah. The truth is we can now empower ourselves yes. to know enough and to help and to make progress. And we can be the ones, which is yes. super exciting. Yes. So let's say we have a listener here and we can even apply this to me too. Like I just told you, I went inpatient and was scratching myself, didn't even know. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's my, my continued issue is the PTSD thing, which I, you know, seek counseling for, and I do yoga and I got my self Mm -hmm. positive self-talk and self all the good things. Right. But maybe there's a listener on here who's like, well, I kind of pull my hair or I pick out my pimples a lot, or I pick up my skin. Is there like a threshold for when it is like you need to seek help or is it, or is it kind of like undefined, you know, it's like, if you want help, you should just go get it. You know, there's no quantity. I mean, I think the answer to that is both. I see mental health as a spectrum. Everybody Mm. has mental health, right. And you know, take nail biting, for example, nail biting, socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you bite your nails and it doesn't affect your ability to lead a fulfilling life, yes. I would say you don't have a mental health condition called anecophagia. But if your nail biting is getting to the point of infection and, you know, deteriorating your self-talk or keeping you from engaging with social activities, with friends, with the world, with tackling all the to-dos on your, you know, your life list, like your goals, that is when please seek help. Right. Yes. And and we want, we want to be part of that journey as well. We, yes. you know, and then there's the spectrum in between there, which again, it's really up to you to decide where you fall on the spectrum and how much help you need. Mm-hmm. And so oh. that's kind of the cool thing about us being direct to consumer is we can help anywhere on that spectrum. Yeah. And it's super yeah. Yeah. Maybe you don't have to go get a diagnosis of one of these things, but you're like, mm-hmm. you know what? I want to stop biting my fingernails. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't think I need full on, you know, medication or therapy for it, but it's a bad habit. And this bracelet is going to help me break that habit. Right. All the way yeah, up to the person exactly. with the infected cuticles and, you know, exactly. and everything in between. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just about that behavior change. It's how much do you want to make that change? How important or how life-changing can that change be, right? Yeah. yeah. To you. Um, and so, you know, before we started the recording, we were talking about how this affects the the data is still out, right? The research still needs mm-hmm. to be done, but it's looking like it is affecting a lot more women than men. And, you know, you were talking about it, there's social imp- implications of, you know, woman can't just buzz her head off without, you know, someone looking at her for her to stop pulling her hair. Mm -hmm. And so there's like these beauty aspects and all the attentions on her skin and her nails and her hair. Um, But you also mentioned something about hormones. Does hormones in your cycle have something to do with this? So I think based on my own personal experience and based on what I've seen in some of these support groups of what people talk about, I think there's definitely a component, but again, no, I haven't seen any research to <laughs> don't to quote it. her. Don't quote her. <laughs> don't quote me. So I don't, I, I just, there's just money has not been put yeah. behind that research, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but just knowing it seems to start when kid when kids are going through that puberty stage. Um, that's not to say younger kids don't, don't, do this stuff. It just seems like more of it tends to happen then. Mm-hmm. And then just from my own personal experience, having two children and going through the pregnancy cycle, both times it was just 
off the charts. Yeah. You know, the second time around actually was my second child after having built habit aware. So it was actually better because I had been building my awareness yes. and I could, I was doing so much better. So it was just such a contrast. Um, so that's sort of where we are on the hormonal, wow. hormonal research too. Sadly. So interesting to, to find out if this is, you know, what's the relationship, you know, between our brain health and our hormones mm-hmm. and like someone's got to do the research, right? We have mm-hmm. so much research left. Well, this has been so amazing. I could talk to you all day. I think this is this work you're doing is so important. And I really, really appreciate your authenticity and your vulnerability. It's not easy, especially on record, knowing people around the world are going to listen. But we did the math. About 70 of them are going to feel like, wow, this is you know really speaking to me. So thank you so much. Um, Two last questions that our listeners love. The first one is, we have a lot of aspiring femtech founders. What are areas in women's health and wellness that still need innovating? Well, you know, honestly, I think that the, the, the women that are listening right now know the answer to that because it's, it's whatever problem you have. Mm, <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Because more than likely, if you have this problem, you probably have a community that is also has this issue and it needs solving. Right. Like that to me is, you know, I think we we were talking pre-recording about how women's needs have for the most part been invisible Mm -hmm. to, um, companies, you know, where, where, where at service level, we change diapers and we do laundry and, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of what we're seen for. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, but we, we are more than that. We are the hobbies that we engage in. We are the people that we hang out with, you know, and that's, that to me is femtech as well, which I think is your next question <laughs> is going beyond, going beyond just like our physical needs, but also our mental and emotional needs, yes. which may be different from a man's needs. What's an example of that? Oh gosh. <laughs> now I shouldn't have, I should have let you let me, <laughs> let me answer that other question. Uh, you know, I can't, I cannot think of one right now, but I, uh, you stumped me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of things that I can think of. Like, I, I don't know, for some reason, the, the, the little voice in my head is telling me, um, writing yeah like something in, in the area of writing I don't know why that's coming to me as like an answer to this yeah. question but I feel like I personally believe writing is therapeutic and, and there is research that proves it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Yeah. and so it's maybe maybe like a product around that that helps women um kind of master that practice of writing and getting stuff out I don't know something like that could be very interesting can you know connecting with your emotional self. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's still a product that can cross over to mm-hmm. our other gender. Yeah. But yep. it doesn't have, you know, like, and I think that's, that's kind of what, what excites me the most about Femtech is for me, it's like, it starts here, but then it becomes more. Yeah. You know? like culture changes. It becomes more acceptable. It becomes more, um, that to me is Femtech. It's like, it, 
You know, like that's yeah. what I would love to see because that that shows that our culture is changing. Yes. Because of, of these products that are out there. Well, these- well, what's interesting is like, because where healthcare has started is in the male gaze, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm like, it started and now we're just reinventing it all for like the w- female gaze, you know, like and we're yeah. going to, I'm glad we made, you know, hip replacement joints. We're going to now test it in women because no one ever asked women how it felt in their hip. You know, like, okay, we have this medication or we know about Alzheimer's, but now we're going to look at it just in women because we're pretty sure it's connected to menopause now. You know, like, and so um, I love that thinking where you're saying, you know, yes, it's, we're going to do stuff in femtech, but it's going to spill out. It's going to merge out, diffuse out and touch everything. Yeah. Something I've been really excited about is, the diversity of speakers um we are having contact us and interviewing um you know we have you and you first contacted us we were like well does it affect women you know like it's femtech i also had um someone reach out to me say hey do you do um is femtech in uh in fitness and i said well i haven't seen any fitness femtech but i mean the if you think about product design products were made for male hands products mm-hmm. were made for the male butt on a bike, you know, like, all, yeah, exactly, and so, right? so uh, the other way yeah, yeah, yeah. seatbelts yeah. were not made for pregnant women, right? No, no one yeah. thought about those things. And so, um, yeah. so I said, well, I guess fitness, who knows, maybe all the machines are for men. And like, women, I'm, I admittedly don't work out that often to know like, dang, I really wish this fit my palms better, you know, (laughs) but she, so I said this to this, this uh, amazing lady on, um, on LinkedIn. And she said, I'm going to do some research. And she came back with, it's called wild.ai with, there's going to be an upcoming episode later, but it is a fitness tracker that takes into account your hormone cycle because no other fitness yeah. tracker has ever fucking done that yeah. <laughs> ever considered. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a week where you feel more tired and heavier mm-hmm. and like, we should mm-hmm. take that in consideration, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, that's, I love that. I just, it's just fascinating. It's depressing. It's amazing. Like all the things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's opportunity. It's yeah. opportunity. So for your listeners, Go, go be part of this movement. Yeah. Uh, Well, I am so excited to have interviewed you. I'm definitely going to be sharing your uh, Keen bracelet with everybody and telling them about it. This is this is so important, and I I really appreciate you as a person and what you're working on. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so gratifying, and you know, just I'm filled with gratitude to be here today and to share my story and to share. And to really to raise body focus, repetitive behavior awareness, and to the approximate seventy <laughs> listeners <laughs> that are potential Keen family, I'd love to offer them fifteen percent off using the code FemTech. Um, and also, just remember, if it's not you, it's someone you love, and we'd love to be there for that someone. Oh so, God. thank you again for having me. Amazing. Thank you for listening to my interview with Anila Idnani, co-founder and president of HabitAware. This episode is a great example of a disorder that disproportionately affects women. It's surprising to see that women are affected by trichotillomania and the onset is usually around puberty, yet we still are not sure what causes this behavior. Could it be the increased estrogen? Could it be an unfair focus on the beauty of women's health and uh, hair and skin? 
I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, let us let us know. Maybe you're a researcher studying this. Uh, you know, maybe you have a hypothesis. Shoot us a private message on social. Let us know what you're thinking. I'm honored to have guests like this come on and be so vulnerable and be real with us. If you're a listener and felt moved by Anila's story, please reach out to us. We want to hear from you too. Don't forget, if you want to try Anila's bracelet uh, from Habit Aware called Keen, you can use a 15% off promo code called Femtech. So just enter Femtech on their website, you get 15% off. And I know you want to stay connected to the Femtech community, so here's some upcoming events. I will actually be speaking this Thursday at the Untitled Kingdoms uh, seminar series. So it's August 20th from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time. And the topic is, is Femtech profitable? So Cliff Notes version, the answer is yes, very profitable. But if you want to hear the whole conversation, join us on Thursday at noon uh, Central Time. Go to Untitled Kingdom to get your uh, registration going to be a great time. The other event I want to remind you of is August 27th, the Femtech Landscape, what's being innovated and what still needs innovating in our partnership at Femtech Focus with the Guild. And you can get your tickets for that event at www.femtechfocus.org. Well, y'all, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for being avid listeners. Support the podcast by sharing it with your network and then subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on social at Femtech Focus. And until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.